and I would ask that you would give liberally. Good morning. We have a busy church, don't we? A lot going on, a lot of things happening with our youth, our children, women's ministries. We'll be announcing some new things with the men's ministries, Bible studies, senior Bible studies, women's, just everything going on. Um, It's exciting. But now let's really focus today. And I'm going to say this. I wrote this this morning. Uh, I got here around 6 o'clock to pray for you. And to pray for all of you that are online, we welcome you. And I wrote this down, and you'll see it on the screen. In any breakthrough, you must know you have a perfect heavenly Father who is looking out for you. He sees what you cannot see. He knows what you don't know. And he asks you to trust him and his word because he is faithful. My God is faithful. Your God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his voice and to his proclamations that he has made. Today, we will answer in this series, I Am Free, the why question. What do I mean by that? When we say or we hear other people say, why, God, did you let this happen? Or, God, I have prayed, why are you not helping me? In this series, I Am Free, today's message is believers set free from bondage. So, Click your computers, your phones, or turn to John chapter 8. And if you're watching online and you don't have a Bible, if you're sitting in a car waiting and you've clicked on the message, we will have Scripture for you as we read Scripture. So let me remind you now what we have covered so far. Because we really got to wrap our heads around this doctrinal truth that I'm bringing the church, that I'm bringing many churches that are watching and listening and learning from us. You must listen to them and watch them again. You know, sometimes uh, I have a hard time watching me. But I also know that I'm a lead pastor and I'm usually the one teaching. And I need to hear it too. And what I have found as I have listened to my messages, that the Holy Spirit even expands it more to me, and I add it to the messages after. And so I have watched my messages, every single one of them. Not because I like to watch me. Sometimes I cringe. You said that? But the reality is, is the truth will make you free. And we're going to read the scripture and we're going to find out truly what Jesus was saying and find out what he said before and after it. So let's stay on the same page and church family, let's have great victory. Let's have breakthrough in the areas of bondage. We've talked about the words uh, demon possession. Demon is somai means demon possessed. Zomai in the Greek, the word is used very infrequently in this this scripture that we have talked about in, in the series. This word does not mean ownership. Remember that discussion? It doesn't mean ownership. This is where we get messed up or confused regarding demonic possession or influence. A lot of times people, they read that and say, well, I'm born again. You know, I can't be possessed. Well, the word there is literally not talking about that he possesses your spirit, but there is a mastery of your emotions, your mind, your thinking, and the way you feel. And so we have to understand that when Jesus is talking about 
will make you free. He is talking to believers, and I'll repeat this, but I want you to understand that's the premise that we are talking about. We're not glorifying demonic things. We are not looking for demons in every closet. Amen? We're not looking for a demonic oppression and depression and and all kinds of things. What we're understanding is that we are in a spiritual battle. And there are times that, that believers are deceived and do not understand that the enemy can have a mastery over areas of your life which then will open the door to steal, kill, and destroy things in your life. Remember, we're answering the question, why? Why things happen. So the word possession does not mean ownership. It means to gain mastery or have power over. So the question, can a Christian be under demonic influence? The answer is absolutely yes. It's not like you don't have control of yourself, but you've chosen to be influenced. You've, you've chosen, uh, that was wrong uh, vocabulary there. That's why I hated English. I got corrected all the time. Go ahead, correct me. Chosen, Pastor, not choosing. All right? So we have to get to the place in our life that we understand that there is a difference between our spirit and our soul. And the, the reality of that, our soulish nature, we always talk about the flesh. I'm talking about choosing to be influenced by something that's not of God. Here's an example. If you came to church and you left the door or a window of your home open, the thief can go in. You can go home, and you can even catch the thief. The thief doesn't own your home, but he is in your home. He would be stealing from you until he is arrested and taken out. God has given you authority over demonic influence. Another illustration so that you understand where we're going with this. If a man took drugs or alcohol into his body, even if he's a Christian man, he is under the drug's influence and may do something very embarrassing, very shameful, totally out of character of the man because he's a believer. It may even affect his family and friends in a negative way. Why? He has opened a door of influence of the drugs. So today, let's discuss believers in bondage and how to be set free. Again, the premise is a breakthrough is being made free. And it's a choice of revelation that we need to have to be made free. Again, remember we said it before, the scripture doesn't say set free, it says made free. All right? Speaking to the believer. So the reason we continue to talk about spiritual bondage is I want you to be able to say, I am free. I want you to be able in your life to say, I am free. Even though there's chaos in this world, tribulation in this world, you can say, I am free and I am not influenced by demonic things. Many believers are not set free because they have developed a false doctrine that says, because I'm born again, I cannot be in bondage. Last time together, we talked, remember, about pride. You were quiet for the first three quarters of the message. We talked about the pride, that open door of pride. It brought offense and inner anger. 
And Satan came against Peter. He came against Job. And he came against Ahab because of their pride. Two people turned it around. One person did not. The enemy comes against you with pride and wants you to walk in an arrogance that Peter walked in. Remember, we read the scripture about how Peter said, there ain't no way. And then literally Peter rebuked Jesus regarding his word. And that's where some Christians are doing is they're not recognizing the influence of the enemy that can take place in a believer's life, and they are rebuking the word of God and rebuking the truth. So we want to change that doctrine around and understand that you and I can be influenced even though we love Jesus with all our hearts. So let me show you today three more open doors. Are you with me? So let's go. First one, continued iniquity. And I ask you to turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 31, but I just want to say to you, I've already quoted it, is verse 32 is our famous verse, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, but a lot of people will say set you free. In other words, it removes our responsibility of doing something. People have said, and I've done the same thing, I have quoted it. And at times, I've, because I've heard it so much that way, has set you free. And the reality is, it makes you free because we make a choice of serving one master, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews, watch this, very particular, the Scripture, the Jews who believed him, believers, If you abide in my word, we talked about filling our house with the word of God. Remember, when you were uh, not born again, you had all kinds of stuff inside you. When you became born again, sin was removed, and your house was empty. Your temple was empty. And it's our job after that to put the word of God into our house, or the enemy can come in seven times stronger of deception in our life. And so, You are my disciples indeed when you fill your temple with the word of God. Verse 32, and you, notice the pronoun, uh, I'm learning English even now, notice the pronoun referring back to the disciples or believers. You disciples shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So recognize the truth and the truth will make you free. Verse 33 is the best biblical example of Christians being in bondage and being blinded in bondage. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? It is the saddest scripture and also the funniest scripture. Verse 33, they believers answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, basically because Old Testament times were born again and have never been in bondage to anyone. Again, I did this before with you a few months ago. Have you ever read the Old Testament? The Jews, they were in bondage to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the Grecians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians. I mean, matter of fact, did you see the movie, The Ten Commandments? I mean, Charlton Heston, uh, Moses, was sent by God to set them free, to make them free. And we have to get to the place to understand. So, So listen very closely, very intently. When they made this statement to Jesus, they were in bondage to the Romans, And when you read Scripture, especially Old Testament, this was in the Gospels, the Romans, but the Old Testament, many of the nations were a symbolic picture of demonic influence. So we have to get to the place of recognizing a spiritual battle. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. 
So today, I'm preaching to believers about bondage and being set free. Well, pastor, we're Christians. We have never been in bondage. Well, let me just make this statement. You're in bondage to pride now by saying that statement. You're in bondage to fear. Many times we have not done things due to fear. We've been afraid of stepping out because of fear. That's a bondage. We're in bondage to lust, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, jealousy. Should I go on? Folks, I'm going to say it in a southern way. We ain't perfect. We're not perfect. We struggle in areas of our life, even being powerful, anointed, called believers. Again, verse 33, they said they were never in bondage. So Jesus decides to make it clear who's in bondage. Listen to this. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is in bondage or a slave to sin. Anybody here never committed sin? So bondage has been there. But we need to get to a place in our life of understanding the truth that will make us free so we can yell every day of our life, I am free. And live in kingdom mentality and kingdom realities and live with a breakthrough life. This is all of us, church. I'm speaking to me as well as I'm speaking to everyone online and everyone here in the house. Verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus is not talking about salvation here, but how we can choose to walk in sonship. He has given us, or we can choose to go back into slaveship, he says, even being born again, and be in bondage as believers. So Jesus was saying, don't do that. Don't believe that you're protected now forever and ever. There is a protection of God. There is a powerful authority of God that there is no authority above that and he's given you that authority. But if we don't understand spiritual battle, deception can come in and we can be in bondage. Let me explain a little bit more. Think of the word commit. Think of the word committed, all right? Whoever is committed to continuing sin, the actual Greek, it means to formulate a plan to sin, is in bondage to sin. That's what Jesus was saying. He is saying that there are times in my life, in your life, those listening online, there are times in our life where we formulate a plan to sin. Pastor, I don't do that. I've never done that. Okay, Peter. We have done this and we've been there. Let me explain. We have all had a sin in our lives, that we formulated a plan to stay in that sin, to accommodate that sin, and to keep it hidden. Someone did us wrong. And we got angry. Now, we didn't act out on it, but we stayed angry. We made sure that if it was a next-door neighbor when we went for our walk, we walked the other side because we didn't want to be here. Maybe God used that situation to have you go to the next door neighbor and humble yourself and lead him to Jesus Christ. And that was the only way you could get into that hard shell of your neighbor. But because we've become offended with people, we backed away from people, we, we don't allow people to do that. They jump from church to church, home to home, you know, job to job, 
because they have formulated, formulated a plan to sin. That's called bondage. It's not a weakness. It's not a weakness of the flesh. It is a choice of the believer. Another verse written to the believers, watch this. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know, and I'm going to add a few words here so you understand what it's saying. Do you not know or understand that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave, slaves whom you obey? Obviously, slaves represents bondage, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So he's talking to believers, and he says this. Paul says, don't you understand that you're going to serve in life? You're going to serve in life. Either one of two things. Either serve sin to death. He's talking to believers here in Romans, all right? Or you're going to serve in obedience, which leads to righteousness, righteous living, or a righteous lifestyle, kingdom lifestyle, righteousness. So what he is saying here, we have that choice, one of two things. All right, let's go on. Again, it's not talking about salvation, but a lifestyle. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 7, 8 says this, behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder? Remember, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you commit murder. If you commit adultery, Jesus said, when you lust in your heart, you've already committed the sin. Swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know. And then come, then watch this, talking to believers, and he's saying, and, and I'm not, I'm reading to you what the scripture is saying to us. I'm not standing up here as a pastor and saying, this is what you're doing. That's not what I'm saying. I am revealing truth that can make you free so that no longer this can be a hindrance in your life, in areas of your life, relationships, your marriage, your business, your finances, your health, all these different things. So watch, all right? Verse 10, and then come and stand, or let me say it this way, and then come to church before me in this house, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these things abominations. What he's saying is now there are actually believers who actually believe because they're born again that they can get by with stuff. That they can do this. It's, it's no big deal. They can do this and do this and do this. But you know, God understands because of this chaotic world. God understands how I feel. No. He's saying you come in and you do this. Verse 11. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Wow. An open door. There are so many symbols of deliverance of bondages of demons in Scripture of the believers. We've read some last week. Jesus drove thieves and robbers out of the temple. Remember that? Yeah, turn tables over in the, in the temple because what he was doing is recognizing demonic influence and he was cleaning house. This building is a temple and church family, we are a temple. New Testament, being born again. Jeremiah is saying, even though you are a believer, you're still walking in this iniquity in your life and you came to church and say, we're free. Man, when I got this revelation years ago, decades ago, my first emotion of it was, geez, can I do anything right? 
Man, it's like right away, you know what the enemy tried to do? To bring condemnation and guilt into my life. And the whole picture here, everything was brought so we could be free, to be made free. But what had to happen, Jeremiah, Moses, when we read the scripture last week, Jesus and and Paul, what they're saying, what, what they're trying to do is open our eyes to these open doors that we have let in that has caused bondage, that has created havoc in our lives. We've been stolen from. Things in our lives have been killed and destroyed, and we didn't even know why. And I'm telling you the why, because sometimes we open the doors, being deceived, but loving Jesus with all our hearts, thinking that we're super spiritual. Listen, you know who's super spiritual? Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. Amen? And we live with his righteousness. Remember last week? Last week, is, it's not about our righteousness. It's not about what we do. It's who we become, and who we become is like Jesus. Jeremiah says, free. Are you free to do these things, whatever you want to do? Paul says, don't use the freedom as the occasion of the flesh of doing this. Don't at any time give provision for the flesh. Don't plan to sin, but make plans to get out of sin. 1 John 1, 9, confess it to the Lord. So awesome, the blood of Jesus Christ. We confess it, and God is faithful and just, but that doesn't mean we can go right out of church and go and sin and do the same thing. Well, we got rid of it today, and now we can... Get rid of it tomorrow. We're going to get rid of it the next day. We don't plan to sin. We don't plan to do these things. And when people offend us, when things go on, listen, we get hurt. We have emotions. It hurts things in life. But we have to understand, it is the the ploy of the enemy to come in and to steal and kill and destroy. And if we leave the doors open and the windows open, he will come in and he'll ravage us. I live in victory because I understand I allow the Holy Spirit to possess my soul. I'm not perfect, far from it. But that's the why. There's open doors. So don't leave any doors or windows open in your life, not even a crack. Here's the second. Continued illness. This can be a sign that a door has been opened and the enemy has come in and brought illness in our life. And we've tried everything, anointed with oil, we've gone to the doctors, we've taken medicine, and nothing has taken place. The reason, I, reason why is because in many instances, we left doors open. And the enemy comes in with sickness. Now, don't get extreme on me, again, because the moment, you know, someone gets sick, demon, it's a Demon. Okay, you, you see how Christianity has gone in the church? I mean, I, I can remember when I was young, first born again. I was raised in church, but when I first became born again and really began to seek God, man, I heard so many wrong doctrines. And, and the reality, I go, what? Really? I, what? Getting a word? That's not what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, it's a demon. You know, I used to go to youth camps. And before I ran youth camps, and when I ran youth camps, this action stopped. But I'd go to youth camps, and some kid would be emotional. He might be even influenced demonically. But I'd, I'd catch adults, you know, this was years ago, uh, you know, leaning over, come out in Jesus' name, and they're born again. You know, come out, come out, you vile and all the different things and the kid's scared and he's screaming and all the Christians go, oh wow, something's happening. What's happening is wrong doctrine and they were scaring 
you know what, out of the kid. And so in this area, don't get too extreme. But I need to teach, as, as all through the Bible teaches, that there can be demonic influence. But it's a choice of getting in the Word of God and allowing and going to the Lord and confessing sin. He cleans the house, and then we fill it with the Word of God, and we live kingdom lifestyle. And then when we are in the Word, we got it in our hearts, and the enemy comes in, try to come in an open door in Jesus' name, You say, I'm not going to let that mess me up. Neighbor does something that offends you. I'm not going to let that mess me up. I'm not going to walk in offense because that's an open door. The enemy's going to come in and try to steal from me. Well, let's go on. Luke 13, verse 11 and 13. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise her up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, we believe in Scripture of laying on of hands and anointing with oil, ministry elders. And like I told you, the beginning of next year, we're going to move into that. Uh, You know, we're going to listen to all the junk out there politically, but we're going we're gonna to do it right, and we're going to get back to this where we're going to be praying for the sick, but we're going to have you call for the elders of the church. I'm not going to call for the elders of the church. You will by preparing your hearts. We talked about this last week, preparing your hearts, getting in the Word of God, confessing sin, and then coming in and coming in filled with the Word of God, filled with faith, filled with agreement in the Word of God. And when the ministry elders pray the Word of God, there's agreement. And where there's agreement, that the Bible says God's in the midst. And when God is in the midst, guess what happens? Deliverance takes place. Amen. God is a great God. He set it up perfectly. And we're going to move in this area. And I want to tell you, there are going to be people from all walks of life wanting to run to this place Because why? Because you're believers who walk in kingdom realities. You can go to your neighbor and lay hands on them, not hit them because they offended you, but lay hands on them and bring healing in their life. Verse 14. Did you know the pastor of the church got mad? But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Stinking Pharisees. The religious junk. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Pharisees quote part of the Bible and then make their own doctrine. That's what you find people do. They will quote. I I find it all the time. People say, well, you know, the Bible says. And I'll go, where does the Bible say that? Well, the Bible says, yeah, that's what I heard. That's not what the Bible says. Let me show you what the Bible says. Oh, I didn't see that. See, the reality, that's what the enemy does. He, like he did with Adam and Eve. He half quoted scripture. So verse 14 continue. And the ruler said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Speaking of the Sabbath. Now, is Sabbath scriptural? Absolutely. Is Sabbath truth? We should live Sabbath lifestyle. Amen. Sometimes illness comes because we rebel against the Sabbath. Watch now how he adds his own interpretation. Therefore, come and be healed on them days and not on the Sabbath day. That's what he's saying. This is a Sabbath. Get out of here. God's store is closed. The healing store is closed. It's a Sabbath day. Get out of here. Oh, man. Jesus had a fit on that one. Jesus answers nicely, and he, you know, because he's running for office. Luke 13, verse 15, the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall? And lead it away to water it. 
So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, being a believer, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. You know, and I said it in, in that way because that's not what Jesus really said. He just said, dude, you are off. You call yourself a pastor, a leader, you are off. Woman, be loosed. And I want to tell you, the enemy is not stupid. He will come in and steal, kill, and destroy. He speaks of believers as sons of Abraham. Galatians 3, 7 says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So this whole thing is talking to believers. All right? So, church family, shut the doors and be healed. It's not saying every time you get sick, it's a demon. I have to reiterate that again. I'm not saying if you sneeze, you say, come out, foul spirit. That's not what we're talking about. I am talking about the truth that can make you free. Sometimes in the Bible, it says demons bring sickness so close the door. Close the door spiritually. See, the spiritual always affects the natural. And many times we are battling our spiritual battles naturally. We are trying to do better, we're trying to do good, trying to feel better, trying to do this, trying to do that. Attending church, listen, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. The Bible says, when the doors open for church, Go to church. That's what the Bible says. Do that. Why? Because there's something powerful of us as believers gathering together. And there's something pow- powerful, us as believers who invite the unbeliever, that they can see the power of God in our services. So close the door spiritually that can affect the natural. Here's a third. So we got continued iniquity, continued illness, and then the third I call continued influence. In Mark 7, let's read this, and I'll slow down on this verse. I want you to see this. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So what, what was Jesus doing? From there he arose. Other scriptures, from there he arose. He went from there to here to there. What he was what he was doing was changing the religious beliefs, giving truth that can make them free. But they have to choose to live it out. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek Notice again, now Bible's racist because it's always talking about them. No, it's giving you the understanding of what's going on. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, that's a nice saying. Well, I'm going to show you what he's saying. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Pretty smart. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Now, as we talked here, it says that she's a Greek, not a Jew. She's also a Syrophoenician by birth. So when Scripture talks about unequally yoked, it's talking about believers and unbelievers, not interracial marriage. Okay? Well, the Bible is racial. No, it's not. The Bible is the most, uh, the greatest book to bring unification in all people, if we will believe that. Now, Tyre was Phoenicia, all right? So Phoenicia was the seat of paganism in its time that entered into Israel. 
How did it enter into Israel? Let me give you historical uh, facts here. Jezebel was born in Phoenicia. She married Ahab. Remember, we talked about Ahab last week and brought the occult and witchcraft and false gods and paganism into Israel. Phoenicia was an occult city. The whole city worshipped the demonic influence and Satan. Syro or Syrian is scripture describes as pride. I'm going to say that again. Syro or Syrian scripture describes as pride. Now watch this. Phoenicia or Tyre uh, scripture describes as occult or demonic witchcraft. So what we find here is what was being described is pride and demonic worship was the background of this woman. We're talking about open doors. We're, we're asking the why. We're trying to figure out the why answer. So Syro Phoenicians believed and were so prideful they could dabble with the occult and not be affected. The believers, the ones that turned to Jesus, still believed they could dabble in the occult. So here's my thought, my thought here. We have a little pride that we could do something small and it won't affect us. Demonic cartoons, movies, games. She had a young daughter. The whole picture here was talking about a spiritual battle. And the reason why is because the parent dabbled in these things, even though they were a believer, and the daughter was affected. The daughter became demon-possessed, opening the door by doing the small things, dabbling, even though being a believer, opening the door and brought in this area, witchcraft, sorcery, seances, tarot cards, etc. Folks, everybody listening online, everything, you don't need a horoscope. The Bible is your future. Her daughter had demons because she had opened the door. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, watch this. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or is a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Now let me just give you a little commercial that we're going to give next week. Our trunk or treat is an alternative to Halloween. If you're a part of that, don't come in with an evil costume. I will, I will not condemn, ridicule, or embarrass anybody. But I'm just telling you, don't glorify Satan. Don't open a door. So let's go back to the woman. Okay, commercial's over. Game's back on. She asked for deliverance and freedom for her daughter. Jesus says in Mark 7:22. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. And drop down to verse 27. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Jesus is referencing the gospel, trying to change the woman's doctrine. She's a believer, but she's trying to, to change, he's trying to change the woman's doctrine, saying to the Jew first. It also says something that sounds rude or cruel. The biblical language here, he's talking about dogs. He's talking about basically 
your dog or, you know, all the different things, how the way of the life of a non-believer or the believer, all right? So he's referencing to the believer, the Jew first, and then he's speaking of what you are asking for belongs to the believer, not unbeliever. Now, what, what does that mean? So an unbeliever, can't, God won't do a miracle for an unbeliever. What it is saying is there are things in your life, believer, that is of an unbeliever lifestyle. And because this unbelieving lifestyle is there, you have opened the door. So why would you're asking for God to deliver your daughter and what's happened, you or your city or your family or your neighbors or whatever it is, open the door for this demonic influence in your daughter? Now watch me, all right? Watch me. In this area, he is not saying, you bad person. He is trying to help the believer understand spiritual truth that will make her free, and making her free will then free up her daughter and her children's children. And there are times you and I are facing situations with children and grandchildren and cousins and nephews and nieces and brothers, and uncles, and aunts, and all that. And we need to understand that there's been an open door in a family, and we need to, what do we do? We close and shut the door and windows. Not to the person, but to demonic influence. Revelation 20, verse 14 says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So according to Revelation, outside of heaven are dogs, liars, and murderers. So it's symbolic. Dogs represent lost people, not literal dogs. Philippians 3.2 says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. I said that quickly. Now I'm going to slow down so you get it because you're all like, what do you say there? There's symbolic statements in the word that looks offensive. But in the day, the explanation was, I was literally ravenous dog because there used to be dogs. Matter of fact, in biblical times, many biblical times, there were lions in the streets. How many of you remember that message I gave? Lions in the streets. And the, and the reality is, is, is there are people that are lost that are opening the door. Why expect? Because you want God to do something, but you are living as an unbeliever. And, and as your unbeliever, you know, and then what she says, I get it, but even the dogs have the crumbs. And Jesus said, okay, you got that revelation. You get it now. And so in the reality of even though the open door was there, even though here's the enemy come in, wanting to condemn us, wanting to bring guilt and ridicule in our life, here's what I'm trying to tell you, is that what Jesus is saying, woman, man, you are more spiritual than a lot of people here now. You get what I've been trying to tell you. And so what she was doing is, I know that I've lived this life and I know this, but basically it is a symbolic thing was she was repenting of these things and closing the door. And then Jesus says, what does he say? He says, because of you, of what you just did, your daughter is healed. Your daughter is delivered. Because you and I have closed the doors to these things in our lives. Listen, and the enemy's not going to quit. The enemy's not going to quit. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. It's not Halloween yet. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to understand you have such authority 
and ability to kick some satanic behind and remove every demonic influence that has ever influenced you, your family, and your children and your children's children. You have that authority. You have that authority in your neighborhood to go out and win people to the Lord. Yeah, well, you know, for years and drugs and, and gangs and all different. Well, so? So? You have the authority in Jesus' name to kick it out. But what you and I have to do is make sure we don't open doors and we don't open windows to allow the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. Let's all stand. <laughs> I feel better than that, but I feel like I'm just about ready to pitch the championship game right now. That's where my emotions are. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see people born again. I'm ready to see your homes. I'm ready to see your children. I'm ready to see your neighborhoods know Jesus Christ because of you. Because you are not super spiritual and you do all the goody stuff, even though you are super spiritual, even though you do good. But there's only one good, amen? And he's the one that will bring freedom and deliverance in your life. So what do we do? We humble ourselves. Don't do what I did when I first got this revelation decades ago. I don't have that. I'm doing good. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. You know, look what I do for the church. I'm one of the best workers at work. My neighbors love me. I think. Anyways. Right? You know, humble ourselves. Kick pride out. And say, Father, without you, I'm nothing. But with you, I'm everything. Without you, I don't have identity. You wonder why the world's having problems with identity. Because they don't know their creator. And even if they're believers, there's deception and demonic influence. And I have to say this, and I'm not being political. I'm being a pastor and a father. I heard one of the top top political people in our nation say you don't have to dismiss your religion to have an abortion. And I'm not bringing condemnation if anyone's ever had an abortion. You're free. You're free in Jesus' name. But to hear people say that. Remember I told you I I was delivered decades ago of anger before I was married, praise God, (laughs) of anger. Man, I was angry cuss. But I was delivered of that. When I heard that, I felt some of those emotions crop up. I had to get a handle on it. I, I just, it was up here. But let me close by praying with you. This is serious business, church. You're struggling, some of you, listening online, here, financially, whatever it may be. You're struggling with your children. You're struggling with your marriage. You're struggling in areas. And you could throw it off. 
I'm just going to go to church and keep worshiping and just keep doing good. I, I'm just telling you, let's keep doing all that. But let's stop for a moment and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for opening that door. I'm getting emotional now. Forgive me for cracking that window in areas of my life. Things I've said, things I've done, things I've planned. Oh, I'm never going to talk to that person again. Really? What if the Holy Spirit said talk to that person? I've faced some very mean people who I basically almost gave them the world as a pastor and they shoved it down my throat. But I will never hinder my walk with God and the authority I have and the power I have in kingdom lifestyle by letting any of that dismantle me and open the door to the enemy come in and steal, kill, or destroy. Some of you came in this morning with a question, why? Why, God? Why? Why is this, why do I feel the way I do? Why did that, my friend, just leave me and go be with other people? Some of you young people, you're, you're facing some tragic things in your life. And I'm just trying to tell you the truth. God loves you greater than you could ever imagine. And ladies, young ladies, you're a beautiful princess. Gentlemen, young men, you're the most handsome prince in the world. And you have to recognize God did that, not by how you look and how you act. God thinks of you. You are his daily delight. We need to be free. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that changes and transforms lives. Forgive us, Lord, And Lord, you know, as I say that, I'm not trying to represent anybody else because it's their responsibility. But forgive us, Lord, for allowing the doors and the windows to stay open. In Jesus' name, they are shut today. And now we can say, as Jesus said to the woman, your daughter is free. Father, today, we shut that door. We shut that window today, confessing these things. We can yell out now, I am free. Go ahead and say that again. I am free. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Everybody looking up to me, I love you. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. It is an honor and a distinct privilege to pastor Valley Community Church. The whole staff feels the same way. I want you to understand how important you are to the kingdom of God. When you leave this place, don't, don't, don't lose me. Some of you are thinking, did you forget the offering? I didn't forget the offering. Some of you administrative people are already going... And you're not hearing what I'm saying. (laughs) You know why I know that? Because that's me. (laughs) That's what I would be doing. So here it is. Go out and expect someone to confess Jesus Christ as Lord this week. Go out and expect someone that you've talked to want to come to church with you. Come against spiritual wickedness. Walk in in God's righteousness and you'll see absolute 
transformation in every area of your life. Thank you for being givers as you already have so many times. We're going to go ahead and lay out the offerings before you leave. And I'm just dismissing you, but come this way and give the offering. And God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.